1991, I was the recipient of the ever-so-loving nickname, Tia Talk-A-Lot. Now, this could have stunted my extroverted self, but instead, I embraced that name like it was my job. Almost 30 years later, that name still rings true. Here's the deal, though. I actually really love to listen, too. Someone once joked that this only happens on Tuesdays, though. Now, I don't want to disappoint your expectations of the show, so we won't veer off too often, but on occasion, you will hear from people other than myself. This episode happens to be one of those. Well, I am feeling super blessed to be sitting here with my guest. No recording from afar, because guess what? We live in the same house. My guest happens to be my husband. And in light of the fact that Valentine's uh, made up holiday was this week, (laughs) I figured it made sense to interview the love of my life. You're supposed to laugh there. (laughs) Ah, Just trying to be corny for you all. Uh, But I wanted to interview and uh, my hubby and have us just share a little bit uh, about our marriage journey Uh, Many of you have been part of our world as we've um, gone through this thing we call marriage. 13 years, right? 13 years of marriage. And uh, we've been through a a valley and a peak and a whole lot of random stuff. And we thought we'd let you in on that world. Some of the befores, the after, the in-between stuff, and maybe maybe just maybe give you some tools. Uh, if maybe you're in a valley or haven't got to a valley yet, maybe we can help you not hit it. Um, and then just some of the things that we do to be, um, be the couple that we are right now. So thanks P for being here with me. Yeah, I would definitely say we're not experts by any means, but we might have some insight that could help somebody hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, we have, we have, uh, just disclaimer, no certifications, no degrees, uh, nothing like that. Uh, we'll point you to some resources, uh, but this is just truly our experience. So, uh, one thing I just have to start out with is that had we not gone through the Valley, and I know that's kind of just an overused term, Valley peaks, all that kind of stuff, but had we not gone through that Valley, I know that we wouldn't have we wouldn't be where we are right now um I don't even know we wouldn't I don't know that we'd even be married or we wouldn't be happy and that valley as crazy as it sounds was to me a really big blessing now that I can look back kind of like when a joke isn't funny when it's you know something you know it's not funny when it happens but later you can laugh about it now I can look back and say that that valley um has been a blessing to us in a lot of ways yeah and uh God promises that in a lot of areas throughout the Bible that if you can, hardship's going to happen. And if you can take the right steps to overcome those hardships, there's going to be a benefit and a payoff. (laughs) Um, And I think we've, are experiencing that right now. We are. Okay. So I want to do like the whole before and after. And so we just had a date day. It's actually Valentine's as we're recording this. It's my love language. Preston is not (laughs) not so excited. (laughs) But I am. So we went to uh, to lunch because we have kids and all the sports and all the things. So that was our Valentine's date, intentional date time in the middle of the day, which is pretty awesome. Happy uh, wife, happy life. That's the, that's the, that's the, <laughs> the whole statement. key to this whole thing. Right. Sure. Um, not really. Um, but 
at lunch, we just kind of started talking about this and went into detail and headed up in a noisy restaurant. We probably should have just started and hit record right then and there. But we went through like what were what did life look like and feel like and what were some things that we were doing before we kind of hit that rock bottom spot. And I don't. Do you want to kind of kick off with first topic? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I can say that my first kind of bullet point here was that. I know we were going through the motions. Um, we were simply just going through the motions. And that sounds like ridiculously vague, but we were. We, you know, having young kids and kids that were going all over the place and sports and school and life. And, you know, we just unpack one lunchbox to then have to just fill it up, not even 12 hours later. And it just felt so monotonous and it was kind of killing my soul. And nothing was truly intentional about the things that we were doing, it kind of felt like out of obligation. Like, Hey, we said, yes, we're married. We kind of got to do this thing. Now we brought kids into the life. Let's not screw up their life too bad. And so we just got to figure it out. And it was like, okay, the sun rises, we get up and we just kind of get through the day and then live for the vacation moments or the weekend. Maybe if we like each other that weekend, That's kind of, kind of sad, but that's where we were at in a lot of ways was going through the motions. Um, another spot is um, before we were in and we had put ourselves in a lot of environments that just weren't awesome. Well, you let me just play off. So before you go, <laughs> rather, than you go to the to, next one. rather than asking me to start a point, just let me play off of your point and don't go to the next point until I add it. Okay. That's that's marriage right there, you guys. So, no, I even lost track of what I wanted to add to that. I'm going through the motions. I guess I feel like there's obviously a big excitement around getting married, and you you don't quite know what to expect. And for me, I wasn't even thinking much about what to expect. Um, I thought it would be easier, and you hear everybody say how hard it can be, and it didn't really make sense to me, but I feel like, as marriage progresses, you build these hopes and these dreams together and you get these kids and you almost reach this point of getting close really quick and you almost bounce off each other and continually separate. Mm -hmm. And you get these kids and these dreams and these goals and you get all this hope around what you picture marriage to be and you feel like you're really close, but you almost feel like you bounce off each other and then you start heading apart and you continually head apart because of what you're going to get to, your environment, your habits, um, how, how you get through the, the day and things that you're neglecting and you continually get apart. And if you don't change that, you, get to, you see people get too far apart and they never reel it back in and get back together. Mm-hmm. So before we get to the how we reel it back in, we'll keep talking about, I guess, how we kept bouncing off of each other. <laughs> Yeah, almost like you gain speed getting close together and you just bounce off and then you you start ricocheting away. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Like if you picture a timeline. Yeah, no, I totally feel it. And, you know, some things, like it was, it wasn't like we were intentionally doing it, but we like weren't intentionally stopping it either. And I think there are so many things we didn't know that we didn't know. And one of those pieces was that next spot is that next kind of bullet point on here is environment. And the environment that we were in and the environment that we chose. It wasn't that anyone was like forcing us to be in the certain environments that we were. And we were actually 
creating environments oftentimes. And I know for me, um, my example of an environment that just was toxic was we were in party mode a lot. And so our, sadly, and it just, it sounds disgusting and sad to say out loud to me, no judgment on others, but that we kind of lived for the, where were we going that weekend? What was going to be our beverage of choice? And then who had to drive home or were we spending the night? Were we having people at our house? Then which couple was driving home from that house? And And I just thought that was normal. I didn't think there was any other way that other people lived. And it seems crazy to me now, doesn't it? Yeah. I I remember in in those times, even throughout college, thinking about people who didn't um, do the things we did. And I was thinking, how do they even have any fun? (laughs) Because to me, fun seemed to be partying. But And it can be fun and it can be... I don't want to say all partying is a bad thing because partying can be, um, celebration is, is a very good thing. Um, but when done in an unhealthy manner, it can be a very damaging thing. And some of the partying that we were doing had some cause and effect of, uh, some not so good things in our life. So. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it was like relationships can't be super intentional if you're tipsy. And so whether it was relationships with friendships that we had or between each other, I, I, I often was like a, one drink in and I didn't even remember even if I only had a drink and my brain just turns to mush. And so, yay, let's repeat the whole day over again because I don't even remember what went on. Relationships get weaker. And uh, that's definitely the spot that we were in in that. But even environment in that, um, you know, where we were putting ourselves and who we were putting ourselves around in working environments and friendship environments with people with opposite sex, with people that we kept on sharing our life with more than, you know, on a person, on a just, communication level than we were each other because we weren't being intentional about actually having those conversations. And by the time you get home, you're pretty drained because you've already told all your stories to other people or talked to other people about all the things, right? Yeah, there's definitely boundaries was the thing that really has to be learned and it has to be learned together. Um, an open conversation about a lot of different boundaries from opposite sex friendships to um, even family members, you know, how you're talking to people about your spouse, um, how you're talking to people about your stories um, and anything that's going on. Those boundaries really have to be, has to be learned thing. And we almost, we needed help mm-hmm. to, and we'll probably get more into that counseling, but in order for us to learn how to really, how to act even when I or you didn't think we were doing anything wrong because our heart wasn't intentionally doing anything wrong. There were still some boundaries that causes um, things to go wrong. So, right. I don't know if you ever heard that saying before, but uh, you can have the right intentions to do something, but be the wrong person to do it. And that can have a really bad outcome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can have the right intention to help somebody and to be friends with somebody and give them advice, but I might be the wrong person to be able to be that close to somebody or does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. Yep. Um, so yeah, environment, which involves people, all thing. Um, the, the last one that I have anyways inside of, and I know you have a couple more is in like the before, the, before the, before the crash, 
um, was mindset, uh, mindset around the person that I married and the, the lies that like I started to believe, and I know you and I talked about this already, is that we had this idea that our ideal spouse wasn't one another, that we needed to have someone that was more like us. And, you know, I think a lot of us will believe that like, hey, we've grown apart. We've heard statements like that. Um, we, you know, wasn't my soulmate. It wasn't, I, I, you know, I didn't marry the person I thought I did, or I made a rash decision because we got married really young or really quick. And I could believe all those lies. And actually I started to sound like a divorcee just a few years ago, saying those things. And people believe you because you're believable. (laughs) And you, if you believe the things, they're going to believe it. And my mindset was that, yeah, I didn't, I didn't marry my ideal spouse. He wasn't a right fit for me. And I actually was even in my mind, I remember we were sitting at dinner at one of our favorite spots. And I remember explaining who his ideal spouse would be because I thought there was a better person out there for him. And now it just blows my mind that we even had that conversation that we were in that spot. Talk about a low um, that we were so separated from from the idea of our own marriage that we could talk about who we should each be with. and so that was, I don't know, that yeah, was crazy I, for me. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Like mindset around that, also the environment. So if we go back to environment, I worked in a fitness center. And while I was thinking negatively about you in our relationship at home, it was easy to be at a fitness center, which is my passion and look around and be like, oh, if only she was more like this or like her, um, this is more my person. So it was easy to build that same exact thing that you pictured. So we didn't disagree. And I also saw who your ideal was, you know, and it was in your world Mm -hmm. and we were just in separate worlds and it's easy to start feeling like, well, we're opposite worlds. We're different people. This is more my people. So again, that goes back to that environment. Um, and, it's so easy to have a selfish mindset. It's easy to look at yourself. It's easy to um, think in your own head what you, what's best, right? For, for you, I, I get sick of people saying, um, you got to do what makes you happy. Uh, and that's such a, a dangerous, slippery slope to search for this, this happiness when you're searching for it in the wrong place. Like happiness is an outcome of your actions, right? It's not, mm-hmm the right person doesn't just make you happy. Um, a person doesn't determine your, your happiness either. So that's a, a tough concept, but it's easy in your own selfish head to start thinking what is what you want different about that person or what you think, how you think you deserve to be treated. So it's just, it's easy to get caught up in that selfish mindset. Um, oh my gosh. Don't you feel like you just kind of need to shake that off right now? <laughs> Yeah. It's just like one of those things of like you're sitting right now listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, I'm in that exact same spot. And you kind of hunkered down in that place. Like maybe you even made a new list of your ideal spouse. I mean, I, I just want to like ask you to rip that up and we're going to share some other well, things. There's, on a, it. there's an amazing book called uh, a soar above. It's, it's our counselor actually recommended it to us and, it's a slow read cause it's pretty hard to comprehend. Like I can only read a little bit of a time and try to a little bit at a time and let it sink in. Uh, but they were just talking about how negative emotion, negative emotion always dominates a positive emotion. And that's mm. set up all the way back 
you know, to survival mechanisms where you can be in a beautiful place and see a snake. You're not going to think, Oh, look at that pretty waterfall. No, you're going to see the snake and try to get away. So it's a survival <laughs> mechanism, but that ends up dominating our brain to live in a negative, uh, your negative emotions. And you can see that so, so easily happen in a relationship as things become really mundane where you start to live in a negative mindset on that person. I don't know if you remember that exercise mm-hmm. we had to do where you have a room for each person and your spouse, you have a, a room for them in your heart and how you're painting the walls. Remember mm-hmm. that, that whole mm-hmm. analogy? And it's easy to paint all these negative things over something beautiful, right? So if you kind of think about that concept, how many positive things do you have to focus on to dominate the negative? And it's a lot more. So you have to be really intentional and you have to really uh, work, which is why marriage is, is hard to get to that where you're more consistently thinking more positively about the person than negative, mm-hmm. right? Or it's easy to get in that negative, negative mindset about them. Right. And so, I mean, we've gone through so much as you just like mentioned so above and some of the exercises and stuff. And if you're listening to this and you're not married or thinking, Oh my gosh, why is marriage worth it? I promise it is so incredibly worth it. Like having life uh, together at this moment, uh, being able to just, well, do life together like we can now. I promise it's worth it. We will loop this back to <laughs> the powerful side of this. Um, but one thing that I had about mindset was uh, just recently, I was reading a book called Strength-Based Marriage, and it's based on Strengths Finder from Gallup. And so if you haven't taken that test, it's really pretty cool to know one another's uh, strengths in, in who they are, who they were wired to be. And in the strength-based marriage book, it talks about the fact that, you know, oftentimes we think that we are being connected to someone um, that is the opposite of us. Like we've heard opposites attract, but in this book, they talk about, we actually marry the person that can help heal us. And when I think about Preston's strengths and then how my strengths complement his strengths in so many ways, and he needs my strengths and I need his strengths. If we had the exact same strengths, it would be a really, it would actually be really tough in a whole different, in a whole different way. Another thing around the mindset piece that really helped me is we hear different statements like the seven year itch, or if you can get past this point, your marriage can maybe last a little bit, you know, longer or forever or whatever. And one statement that came from the book, his needs, her needs, which was a book we relied on right away in the beginning when we started to really fall into this, this valley was a reference that they had that with each person that you connect with, you actually have a bank account with them. And so every single person, if you kind of just can visualize that, your family members, your people you work with, acquaintances, anybody, and you, in the beginning of any relationship, you're making deposits into that bank account. And so when you first meet, oh my goodness, you're like, got this attraction, deposit into the bank account. You have your first kiss. You say, I love you. You do all those things. And you know what? As the years go on, you start to make withdrawals, little annoying things that your spouse does um, or is annoying. Not to mention those same things become less of a deposit. Oh, exactly. So a compliment, I give you a compliment. Well, I guess sometimes that can be a pretty big thing, but (laughs) I mean, if we were just starting out and I looked at you as we passed the hallway and I said, smiled at you, it would be 
Yeah, deposit. A big deposit more than now as we cross each other in the hallway and smile. I don't know. It's, I'll probably be like, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so true. Easier deposit. And then now imagine someone else comes into that world and whether it's same sex, you know, opposite sex person, doesn't matter, but that person comes into your world and starts giving you more attention or not even more attention, the same, but it's a new relationship. There's going to start to be bigger deposits into that world. And so then you can start to see why marriages start to separate and you start thinking other people may be that person for you. So when you think about your love bank with someone, we, we talked, this was kind of our language there for a while was, Hey, guess what? That's taking a withdrawal. And even though it was so hard to hear that I was, Oh, I was like, Oh, I'm doing another thing wrong. But at the same time, it helped craft who we are now to know, hey, this is a deposit for me or this is a withdrawal. And so one weird example is I absolutely know Preston loves the kitchen to be clean. And now I desire that as well. And I'm looking at a messy kitchen as we're recording this. So it's a little difficult, but um, you know, I know that that is a huge deposit for him. So if he comes home after running kids around or whatever and the kitchen's cleaned, I mean, we have a way better house and everyone's more, you know, more happy. And so that would be a really cool deposit in his bank account. Although I hate dishes when I'm thinking about it being something that would make him happy. I like doing them more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had something to add to that, but I don't don't remember. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So next thing was, and shoot, I don't, yeah. yeah, my, My addition was, you know, with it being easier for a new relationship to add a deposit, it can also be really easy and dangerous for somebody else to add a deposit. So speaking along the lines of emotional affairs or any type of an affair, if somebody else is starting to give you deposits like your spouse should, mm-hmm. your deposits your spouse is trying to make won't even happen. No. So if you're allowing somebody out to get closer to somebody else, you won't be able to get closer to your spouse at that time. You'll continue to get farther away. So I don't know. Just to- yep, absolutely. Um, a third book. So we talked about Sora above his needs, her needs. Oh, strength-based marriage. <laughs> I guess we're readers. And then four is the seven principles. I'm going to forget the name of it by John Gottman. Highly effective or no, that's no. <laughs> no, that's not it. Seven principles to make marriage work or that's something. It. That's yeah. It. Okay. It's way too long of a book. Anyways, in, in this book, uh, was something that our counselor had pointed us to was to truly understand and get to know our spouse. And you may think, Oh, I feel like I know all the things you don't. And one of the examples that they gave in this was, knowing like even their second or third favorite movie, not just their first movie or why they have a preference for, you know, Preston favorite color being blue instead of, you know, green or where did that actually come from? And just knowing those things about that person, because no one else is going to know those details if you're the one asking those questions. And I just, I loved that thought process. Um, and another thing when we were, you know, went into counseling and, and still see our counselor from time to time is that it wasn't about communicating better, which oftentimes a lot of counselors want to focus on. It was about getting to know each other and to like each other, because if you're communicating and you don't like each other, that doesn't help 
anybody. Um, you're just going to communicate it in a worse spot. So that's kind of the before. And I know we already dabbled into some of the after, but we truly hit like a rock bottom uh, spot, which we've already talked about and discussed. And um, we really had no place to go at that point, but either up or we were going to be apart. I need to add something. Yeah. So <laughs> this is back before you're getting to the after and you're saying something about getting to know each other. I was in a, I'm, I'm, I currently go to a men's group, which I, I highly recommend men being involved in a, uh, some sort of a group or some guys that you can speak openly and honestly with. It's, it's been amazing for me, but uh, I was just there the other night and one of the guys talking has been married for almost 40 years. And he said that he's realized there's still so much about his wife that he doesn't know. Hmm. And that's not, wasn't a negative thing like that. He hasn't learned it. Um, and I, as he said that, I was like, wow, I think, I feel like I know everything about Tina, but I really don't. There's a lot of deep stuff that take a lifetime to really learn and to even fish out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the continual pursuit to actually get to know each other in a deep, mm-hmm. deep level and to know that there's still a lot more to learn even after 13 years, 20 years, uh, 40 years. So I don't know. It was a cool statement by him. Yeah. I love that. So one of the things in the in-between, because we both, uh, we didn't know that we were going to be together. I mean, we really, I think both of us like desired it deep down. We desired to keep our family together, but I don't know that either one of us thought it was possible that we could get through uh, the mess that we created and, you know, broken relationships around us and just our life. It was, it felt in that moment that it was the worst. It was, it was the worst possible spot that our marriage could get to. We never thought we would be in. And we thought, I thought that the only answer was we're going to get a divorce. And we actually had the conversation with our kids. We had the conversation with our kids that, Hey, mom and dad aren't going to be spending weekends together anymore. And it still chokes me up because I just think of my, my little kids faces and thinking of them having to hear that. And, um, and it was a tough, it was a really tough, tough summer. It was a tough moment, tough spot. And one thing, and I think Preston, you can talk about this more is really that like the only thing you could do in the spot that we were in. Yeah, we, I guess it's safe to say that we were both in a place where we didn't want to be together anymore. And it felt, I mean, the, the kids are one of the biggest pursuits because your, your goal in having kids is to help their life be the best possible, their best possible life. And it was, well, the best, their best, best possible life is their parents together. And then you start to mess their mind a little bit. Well, is it, what if we don't get along or if we're not the people, what if we're not giving the best picture of love, then it's not, it's easy to, to go that way. So I made a you know, it was kind of our commitment to, well, we got to make sure because mm-hmm. this is, this is a huge step and, you know, we, it should be the best possible life for us to stay together for them. But it, I know it didn't feel like it for each of us. And as you're at this rock bottom point when life is not going anywhere that you, 
you expected it to. And you, you look back on all these mistakes that you've made. It gets difficult to think of how it can get to a good place. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to even imagine um, the whole marriage being healed and us being in a good place. And it becomes extremely overwhelming to think that it can get to that place, right? Of all these things that need to happen, of all these um, being able to trust and being able to, it's like, it all, it all just felt so impossible to be able to trust what you're thinking or what, you know, um, Mm -hmm. so, or even myself to trust for that direction. So the only thing I could possibly wrap my head around with doing was what is the next right thing I can do? Mm -hmm. And it was just one thing. And it, it wasn't the right thing for me to do for you. It wasn't the right thing that I should do for the kids. It was what's the right thing for me. Mm -hmm. Not in a selfish way, but I needed to heal. And if I'm going to be different or if anything's going to be different, better about this marriage, it it has to be me, right? Mm -hmm. I can't control you. I can't control anything else. And Oh man, what was the other point I was going to make with that? So me making the next right step. Well, one of the things was huge is that you left your career of 10 years. Yeah. If they, in order to create change, you have to create change, right? It's, <laughs> we can't just live life the same way we are and think, Oh no, I got it this time. I'm, I'm, we got it figured out. Well, we've done that before. Oh, we did that multiple times where it's like, Oh yeah, I, I understand it now. And I can do the, I can be better living the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Willpower only goes so far. And that goes mm-hmm. for the same thing in, in, in my field of fitness, uh, nutrition, willpower only goes so far. So it's what lifestyle habit changes are we going to make? That's going to make this outcome that that's supposed to happen. Yeah. So for me, it was a big pursuit in um, faith, right? I had to, dive into faith and look at my heart and heal myself and actually even get to the point where I'm going to be okay, no matter which way this goes, Mm -hmm. which was a weird concept that the counselors were even telling me that I was like, we got to find a way for you to be okay. And of course, even looking back on that is how can I lead you or how can I lead my family if I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, that's not a place of leadership at all. Um, so yeah, it's diving into your own personal steps of what is the next step you can make for yourself um, in a positive way in letting, in looking back, you see these different little steps that I personally took to help steer me in the right direction. And you can look back on you, the different little steps that you took and those steps we took kept bringing us a little mm-hmm. bit closer together until we got to the point where we're looking till we got to the point where we're like, Oh, we can actually do this thing. <laughs> but then there was still some pain to the point where it was, boy, we are doing this thing and it feels really good. There's still a little bit of pain. There's still some backlash. And now it's to the point where it's like, we're very little pain. You can mm-hmm. look back and be like, I'm actually glad mm-hmm. we went through some of this stuff because look where we are now. And if we continue in this trend, think of where we'll be in five, 10, mm-hmm. 20 years, if we do the right things that we're supposed to do. Yep. 
Oh man, I could say so many things on that. So Preston's next right thing wasn't even something that we were even talking about. You guys, if you were back in our house at that moment, you would know that we were sleeping in separate rooms. We were uh, not communicating on a, on a regular basis about life in general. Things were really a lot of tension, our poor children at that moment. But again, we needed to go through it to get to where our life is right now, I feel. And, um, it, it was messy. I mean, it was just, um, you know, we didn't know what to say or what not to say. And, you know, who to, who to trust and who to talk to and friendships were broken and relationships were broke. I mean, it was just, it was messy. <laughs> it was, it was really messy, but my example that I had was truly Preston watching him, uh, make some huge sacrifices for himself. Like he said, it was that next right step for him, not for us, not for me, but he was making it for himself. And like he said, I did some of the same things. And so one of those was, uh, for me to quit drinking. And I I knew that it wasn't like I was going to quit drinking for the rest of my life forever and ever. Um, but I knew that there was going to be a season in my life where, I wasn't going to drink and I didn't know when I was going to stop or when I was going to start. And one of my good friends has actually um, had stopped drinking and, and just shared with me. She's like, Tina, this is your own journey and it doesn't um, have to have any timeline on it or anything like that. It's your own story. And so I think I went like what, maybe three months or something without a drink at all, three or four or five, maybe. Um, I thought it was longer than that. I think it was. I, well, it was after Christmas, August after Christmas. Um, and so I don't know when it was again, but I actually mentioned it to my counselor and he said, um, he goes, Tina, I actually really like that. And he, and he said, you know, D- Jesus strength to celebrate and not really to mask, you know, feelings or stress. And so, uh, just the other day I was having like a really stressful day. And I said to Preston, I'm like, yeah, I just want to go have a Cobra Verde at Lolo, my favorite restaurant, my favorite drink. And, uh, he goes, are we going there? Cause we're celebrating something. <laughs> and I was like, you jerk. You're right. Nope. I am stressed out. And so I think now I've maybe had a little over a dozen drinks since then. It's been a couple of years and that shift for me was something I just knew I needed to make because I didn't make the wisest choices or decisions or whatever. And it it didn't benefit me. So anyways, we could go on and on about, about all those things, but we just kept making that right next step. And Preston was a clear example of that. Not only, um, in, you know, choices he was making on things that he was releasing, but also things that he was adding into his life. And I watched him, uh, every morning, uh, set up shop in a comfy chair in our living room and grab his Bible and grab a journal and spend his time with God. And although I was kind of annoyed because I'm like, oh, sure, you're going to pick up the Bible. Let's see how long this lasts. No, I mean, we're maybe like a couple of years in. <laughs> and uh, he does not uh, shy away from that. It's something he does every morning, even to the point of I came down a few mornings and I was like sitting next to him and I was like, I got my stuff like already. And he's like, babe, you know, he's like, it's really nice to be next to you, but I need my own time. <laughs> and I was like, what? No, like, and I totally took, I totally understood. But now I'm finding that own time, my own time in a different spot of the house to respect him and his quietness. Um, and he even called me out on this morning. He's like, Hey, have you been reading your Bible lately? I haven't seen you. So, uh, we just keep each other accountable. He keeps me more accountable on those kind of things. Cause he's, uh, amazing at discipline, but 
Okay. I want to jump into the after before we're like three hours into this. Um, but the after in how we feel, we talked about it a bit, but one of the things was being intentional and, uh, we are really intentional and we're not perfect by any means. Like we still get an argument. We still uh, get annoyed. Uh, but one thing is the divorce word doesn't get thrown out, um, like it used to. <laughs> and, um, and also we say sorry a lot quicker, at least Preston does. And, um, <laughs> and um, I accept his apology and sometimes I say it. And then um, we're just, we're, we are, we're just more intentional and we work underneath the same roof, sleep under the same roof, eat under the same, we do all the things in our home now. We both have our companies here in our, in our house, which is crazy. But a couple things that have been really intentional, I already shared with you, our mornings, our mornings are really intentional and in what we consume, what we do, how we act with our kids. Uh, but Preston just did something on recently added to my phone, which do you want to share on that a little bit? Oh yeah. So, um, actually I shouldn't say this is my thing cause I stole it from a book I read or I'm listening to an audible called game changers by Dave Asprey. Uh, and he gives 40 different principles, um, basically that can change your life or make you the best person you can be. And one of the things they talked about is being very intentional about how you want to live and, you know, what you, what you think develops into what you say, develops into what you feel, develops into your habits, habits mm-hmm. develop into, um, how's that saying go? Habits lead to, I don't know. <laughs> character, character oh, yeah. leads to, I don't know, it ends with yeah. your, your, your destiny. So anyways, your subconscious actually rules you more than your conscious. So you need to start training your conscious brain, which will then help your subconscious start to think differently. Because remember, negative emotions are always stronger than the positive ones. You have to train yourself to get into this positive mindset. So it's really easy in the grind of life. Um, For me, uh, and I think a lot of males, anger can be a thing. And to start to feel like things aren't going how you want them to. And it's, we respond with anger. Uh, So the, te- the simple task is you put a reminder or an alarm in your phone of three words or three things of the person you want to be, or let's say how you would want somebody to describe you or something you want to work on. So I have an alarm go off on my phone around the morning time before the kids get up, uh, midday for just me to rethink something, and then at night before the kids come home. So the alarm goes off my phone. I see it on my phone. It helps me get into the right mindset. And that over time helps to become you more, mm-hmm. right? Than just, because then you start to act more of that way. So. Yeah. So instead of us just going through the motions, we're actually being intentional. And it's as easy as something setting a timer on our phones that say three words. And actually I saw it pop up on Preston's phone and I somewhat like, like kind of was like, what's this? And he's like, shut up. Don't make fun of me. And then I'm like, well, do it for me. And so he's like, well, pick three words. And so I did minor peace intention and present. And what are yours? It's just a mindset. Okay, fine. You're not going to share what your words are. No, <laughs> okay, fine. You're not as transparent. Okay. Um, so next up, uh, just in my after was truly embracing differences. And 
in one of my quiet times, I realized that I was putting up a wall and I think it's, you know, a bit of my competitive nature. I, I don't know what else I, the devil wanting to put up this wall or this kind of barricade between me really honoring the awesomeness that Preston is and his knowledge in things. And instead I was annoyed with him. So changes in like our diet or, um, the consistency of workouts that he, he wants to have. And in my mind, I was like, Oh, this is like about appearance. And I don't really care about that. And da, 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 da. And I, I kept feeding these lies instead of hearing what working out health, just all the things that meant so much to Preston, like, why do they mean so much to you? Like, I, I didn't even know that I actually asked those things. And one day in my quiet time, I just realized that, wow, I have this serious wall up um, that that is been releasing over time. And um, yeah, sure, I get annoyed every once in a while, but I, I'm actually really excited to hear the things he has to say. And I want to be able to dig into his brain even more and have him share it with more people. That's why I'm re, re, you know, I asked that he be on this podcast, um, to share so much that he has there. And it's not about being perfect. It's not about being this like perfect made in heaven, uh, match. Although I think God divinely puts us together. Um, I know that I'm, I embrace it you know, the things that maybe he's not perfect at and realizing, Hey, he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Why am I holding him to this like perfect standard, uh, for him to, you know, measure up to all the things and to, uh, be all the things I need. Uh, he doesn't have to be all the things. That's why we have more, more people in our life and in our world. Um, and so not putting that pressure on him. So that was a big piece for me. Yeah. Made me think of something kind of cool. So God's Designed for marriage, right? To, for somebody to be your companion, uh, we on Earth here put picture this perfect relationship. And if if another person was able to fulfill all your needs, you wouldn't need God. Mm-hmm. So marriage is designed to fail. How or how Earth is the simple nature it is. It's going to fail, and your spouse is going to fail you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so learning that it's not their fault and it's, it it is what marriage is. And to find that God is the one that's going to fulfill this relationship and your needs um, and getting it from him. And, but we so easily look for it from this other person. And when that other person doesn't fulfill that, we blame them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Interesting. Unrealistic expectations. So, Last but not least, kind of on the after, I mean, not even last, holy cow, have we, like, we have seriously done a lot of uh, things. So this isn't all the things that we'd have to have, like, thousands of hours to share all the stuff that we've gone through and uh, that we're here. But when we really were highlighting some things, the last but not least was boundaries. And um, we have some really unpopular boundaries for things that we, we, we've just set in our life. And one of those things is that there is really no relationships or friendships outside of each other that are an opposite sex uh, relationship. And um, I don't care like where you're at in your life or in your marriage, um, which struggles you may have or not have, that is never, it's never healthy for a relationship to be stronger um, 
of the opposite sex than it is for the friendship, right? So for example, Preston, um, you know, has some great guy friends. It's not that I'm not friends with them, but I'm not going to have a stronger friendship with those guys than Preston does. And it's not going to be a separate uh, friendship. And that boundary, although may seem really strong, it was so important for us to understand that because when you all of a sudden have um, you know, another guy, whether it be someone you're actually even attracted to, or you, you know, anything, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's an, uh, an affair, emotional or physical or anything like that. That is something we put as like the big, big no, but even just that friendship can lead obviously places you don't want it to lead, but it can give that attention that you really should be honoring and using with your husband to someone else. And so they start to be that, that connection point. Yeah, even if it's somebody that you're not attracted to and wouldn't be with, they can still start fulfilling some needs that your spouse is supposed to. So if they're feeling of another person is fulfilling needs that your spouse is supposed to, that's a level of betrayal. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's a a family member, if you're confiding into somebody that you're should be your spouse, you know that's a that's a level of betrayal. I think another. Um, level of that is who I'm friends with, or let's say even beyond that, who I talk to or who I talk to about you. Mm-hmm. You have to be really careful of who you talk to because I need to make sure I'm, if, if, if I'm complaining about you, it has to be to somebody that likes you better than they like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, our, our counselor said that, that he, his friends will check him because they like his wife better than they like him. <laughs> you know, so if he, if he's coming at a place, so it's not somebody to be like, yeah, and chime in and be like, screw her. She's, she's, mm-hmm. you need to have some friends that deeply care about your spouse and deeply care about your guys' relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you can get to the point you can bounce some things off where they can still understand you, but they can help make it better make it better and maybe check your own mindset compared to you feeding the negative mindset. Mm -hmm. Well, I find myself now knowing that our relationship is our relationship. Like it's your and I's it's not all everybody else's to have their say or their, yeah, their say in it, um, their opinion, whatever. It's like, I go to other people like so rarely now um, I'm not going to other people as much for advice. I'm more just like, oh, that was frustrating, but I'm talking with you. I mean, more than I ever, ever have. And I think that was a big piece is understanding that, hey, it's not going to help to go over here and complain and complain and complain. You know, eventually that person is not going to like your husband then either, right? <laughs> you know, but having each other and and also just like, yeah, so many different boundaries, family boundaries, life boundaries, all of that. Um, so in just wrapping up, you know, when it really, honestly, when we were in that rock bottom place, when we were in that, that struggle, um, a friend had told me that it would and could be better. And you know what? I didn't believe her at all. Like I was just like, yeah, right. Like I do not believe you. That's not a thing. And she, she promised me it would be. And I have her to think and so many other people to think that think that really truly believed in our marriage, believed in us, believed that we could do the hard things, that we could do the stuff um, through God, um, through uh, through time, like time would heal in so many ways. 
Um, but that first step, if you're looking and maybe you're listening to this and you're not in an issue uh, spot um, at all, that's fine. But if you are, which so many marriages are, that first step for us was finding a counselor and finding a Christian counselor, someone that you know truly understood uh, marriages and how they work. And um, that was a huge step. And also just finding a, a close friends that love your spouse, just like we said, as much as um, you know, as much as they care about you, they care about your spouse. And so Preston, thank you. Well, that I wanted to add that yeah. the, the counseling piece was absolutely huge, but we didn't go to a counselor at first to even help our marriage. We went to a counselor at first to help ourselves. Right. And I think that piece is extremely important. Um, the counseling a lot of times should start with you yourself. Mm-hmm. And actually, a lot of times, even continually counseling, I think everybody should have some sort of that. It should almost be for yourself because that's what seemed to help us the most. Not that couple, not that that's not useful, or even maybe you have the same counselor, um, but you're still doing it for your for yourself and your own personal growth, which is going to help your marriage. Mm-hmm. A ton. Yeah. So thank you for hanging out with us today. Thank you all for listening. Um, I will have the resources for the books and such in the show notes for you to grab up. And if you have any questions ever, you can always feel free to reach out to me, shoot me a message on Instagram. Um, if you just want to bounce some stuff back and forth again, though, not counselors, uh, but just want to be here as a happy resource. Hopefully you're able to gain some things from this. A resource that I forgot to mention during a few of that I've mentioned is go to YouTube and type in Timothy Keller, meaning of marriage. Um, he has an amazing <laughs> book called the meaning of marriage, but uh, listen to his interpretation of what God's purpose of marriage is. It, um, it's a really good perspective. So look at you. I guess we're going to have to do another episode of uh, marriage is worth it. So <laughs> thank you guys. We will. Right. We're not the experts. No, (laughs) but thank you guys for listening. And we hope you had a great Valentine's day, a great love day, or that your next one will be even better.